Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in my opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. And may God bless us the reading of his holy word this morning. We thought last week about what it means to pray in the Spirit, and we're going to spend some time this morning looking furthermore at these verses, from verses 18 down to verse 20, um, about what the the Apostle Paul teaches us as God's people um, about prayer. Um, we, we thought last week about prayer in the Spirit, and that's one of the, the, the ingredients, if you want to call it, that Paul mentions here. There's five. Uh, we looked at one last week, and we'll look at four this morning. So we looked at the first one, which is Spirit-directed prayer, prayer in the Spirit. And, and we thought about that prayer isn't just us coming with a shopping list to God, but that we should be listening to the heart of God and allowing God's heart and God Himself to shape our prayers as we pray, that it's not just a one-way dialogue, but the prayer is a conversation, that we should listen to God as we speak to Him as well. So this morning, we're going to spend some time looking at another four ingredients that the Apostle Paul gives us here about prayer and how it will help us as God's people to have a a deeper and higher um, prayer life as we pray to God. So this morning, um, we're going to look at uh, numbers two to to five. We looked at number one last week, which is prayer in the Spirit. Um, And this morning, we're going to look at some more ingredients. And the the second of those ingredients is continual prayer, that we as God's people are to continually pray. Paul says, pray at all times. It's not just a one-off event or something that happens sporadically throughout our lives, but we as God's people should be constantly praying. It's like the children's talk that we, we, we thought about last um, Sunday morning where um, we had the landline uh, and how we thought about when we used to make a phone call in the house, if you can remember back to these days, you would have to go to a specific corner normally in your house or a specific place or table that you'd set up and the phone would be there and you had to go there to make a phone call. But nowadays that actually we can make phone calls wherever we want because we have our mobile phones in our pockets and and actually our prayer life um, is often sadly like the landline version that we think that we just have to go to a specific place like church maybe on a Sunday morning. But that's not what prayer is. It's not just in church that we should be praying. That actually we have a mobile prayer that we can pray wherever we go at all times in all circumstances that we find ourselves in. In 1 Thessalonians, we read that we are to be a people who pray without ceasing. 
And what that means is that we should be a people of prayer, a people who are continually praying and praying at all, thing, at all times for all things. But when Paul says, you know, pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean that we have to constantly um, have a verbal dialogue on our lips. You know, if you walked into somewhere and someone says, hello, Norman, how are you doing? I don't go, hang on, sorry, I'm, you know, I'm praying. I can't stop praying. And you're walking around and you're, you're always having to speak your prayers. That's not what praying without ceasing means. It doesn't mean that we have to have um, prayer on our lips 24-7 because prayer isn't just an activity. Prayer isn't just something that we do. But prayer is a posture of our hearts. Prayer is a heart posture. Prayer is a heart posture. And prayer starts in our hearts before it touches our lips. And I think that, again, that's something about what it means to be praying in the Spirit. Is it's not just that we think of something off the top of our head and off we go, but prayer as God's people, our hearts should always be praying. We are a people of prayer. Prayer, praying continually points to the posture of our hearts as God's people. So what does this mean? Well, let's think of it in, in really simple terms. Let's think of it in, in, in manners. Well, we as parents, Becca and I, we've tried to instill good manners into our boys. Um, maybe you think, well, you've got a long way to go. I hope that's not the case. And I hope that our boys are mannerly. If they're not coming to speak to me, I'll give them a telling off. But prayer, um, manners... Manners is more, isn't, isn't it, than just saying please and thank you. Anyone can say please and thank you. That doesn't mean that they're a well-mannered person. But saying please and thank you are products of an inward way of being. You, you, your, your heart should be well-mannered before your lips are well-mannered. I've met people that say please and thank you, and they are the least well-mannered people I've ever met in my life. They, they do not care about anyone else. But manners also begin in the heart, really. It's, it's a way of being. It is a, it's a softness that someone carries, that actually they, they're caring for people. And then part of that is that they say please and thank you, and they hold the door and all these things. But those are fruits of a way of, of being as an individual. And so too, I would say, is prayer. We can say the words for prayer, but that doesn't mean that we're a prayerful person. Because the words that we speak, that they, they should be overflowing from the posture of our hearts already. We should be a people who have our hearts postured towards the Lord in prayer at all times. And praying continually points to a constant pursuit that we have towards the Lord. I think for many people in life, Prayer is that kind of lifeline, you know, that, um, that kind of ring that you see near water places that people maybe chuck in and go, oh man, I need to do something. And actually, but the way that they've lived their lives the whole time is, say this is the gods over here, they've, they've been facing this way. Their backs are towards them and in, in their need, they, they'll turn and go, oh God, please help. And, and, and that's a vital prayer to pray, Absolutely. But we as God's people, we shouldn't have our backs to him. We should be facing him at all times and constantly pursuing him. Constantly seeking his face. Constantly wanting to be near him. And all that is part of our prayer life as God's people. It's a posture of our hearts. 
that we live as God's people in a dialogue with Him, always seeking His will, always seeking His face, always in communion with Him. John Wesley regarded this as uh, as a man having his heart with the Lord. What a beautiful illustration of what it means to be um, praying at all times, that our hearts are always with the Lord. Prayer is more than just closing our eyes and muttering a few words for a minute or so at one or other specific times, but prayer is a living, active, dynamic relationship where we can be in constant communion with the God of heaven, where our attention at all times is uh, turned towards Him, that we're always thinking upon Him, always seeking His face, listening for Him and to Him, and having our ears and our eyes and our lips pointed heavenwards. That's what it means to be praying at all times. Is God the first and foremost person in your life? Because He should. That's what it means to seek after His kingdom, that He is number one. And this allows us to always be prepared and and ready to to be a prayerful person. Because, well, like a well-prepared athlete, I remember the last game of football that I actually was ever able to play. Um, I was on the bench, happened more than once in my footballing career. I was on the bench and I got told I needed to go on and on I went for the last 10 minutes and I pulled, I tore my hamstring. It was the last game of football I probably ever played. Why? Because I wasn't warmed up. Off the bench I went into, into, into playing football. But actually, sadly, I think often that was a reflection on my prayer life. That I wasn't ready. That's, oh man, I need to do that. I need to pray. And off I go. But actually, as, as God's people, we should be like well-prepared athletes, constantly seeking Him, constantly warmed up, ready to pray, seeking His face. I remember hearing a story about Floyd Pearson, who used to work for the African Inland Mission. And he was someone that continually prayed at all times over everything that he did. So much so, as he went to sit his driving test, he turned to the examiner and he said to him, I always pray before I drive, so let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And the examiner very reluctantly put his head down and closed his eyes and Floyd prayed. And anyway, he passed his test because prayer works. I'm not saying you're going to pass your test if you pray, but anyway, it's a story. Let's leave it there before I get someone in trouble. The prayer is not a one-off activity. It is a way of living as God's people. So that is our second ingredient. We've had spirit-led prayer, spirit-directed, and praying continually, praying at all times. Thirdly, we have varied prayer. And this comes from when Paul mentions in, in these words, with, with all uh, prayer and supplication. We see that in, in verse 18, um, with all prayer and supplication. And we could say that this flows out of being someone, being an individual, a follower of Jesus who is continually praying. Because if we are always praying, if we're a people of prayer, that means in every situation that we engage with in this life, that we do so in a prayerful manner. That means that we have a, a varied um, way of, of praying. And again, I think most, most people, if you ask them, what does your prayer life look like? It's, well, I come to the Lord with a shopping list, or I come to God when I need something, or I come to God when something bad has happened in my life. And those are very valid ways of praying, absolutely. 
But there is so much more to prayer than that. We have confession and, and thanksgiving, um, intercession, which we'll touch on uh, later on in our, in our service. We have um, adoration and, and praise and song, or, or even praying in tongues. There is a, such a vast way of praying as God's people that I don't think we've even began to scratch the surface of what the depths of prayer offer to us. And I believe this is somewhere where, where I need to, and we need to, as a church, grow in our prayer life. Maybe it's not varied enough. Maybe you think, well, if I was honest with myself, my prayer life does look like me saying, God, I need X, Y, and Z, or I need you to intervene, or God, I know I've not spoken to you in a long time, but if you can just help me out here, I promise you that I will, so on, so forth. Many of us have prayed those prayers, and God wants us to come to him with our prayers and our needs. Absolutely. He wants us to come to him to ask and to seek and to knock. Jesus told us to do those things. Absolutely. But again, let's maybe put it in a way that we can understand. If, if the only conversation that I had with my children was them coming to me and saying, Dad, can you put up my, my pocket money, please? Or Dad, can I have? Or Dad, can I have this? Dad, I need this. Dad, I, 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 can you give me this? If that was the only ever conversation I had with my kids, my relationship with them, with them would be lacking. But the times that they come to me, and most, let's, let's be honest, most of the times they do come to me, Dad, I need this, or Dad, I'm hungry, Dad, blah, blah, blah. And that, again, that's very valid, and I, and I don't begrudge them doing that. I love that they have the boldness to be able to come to me as their dad and ask for things. But the times where they just come to me and just tell me about their day, I love it. I love hearing their wee stories and the wee dramas that's happened in primary two. I, I love hearing about what Malachi's done at nursery. I love when they, they come and they, they ask me for provision. I love being able to bless them and to give them things. Absolutely, it's, it's a way of showing my love for them. I love when they come and they ask me for knowledge. They, they want to know why. I love that. Maybe good if it happened a wee bit less because that why question gets asked a lot. But, but I love it though. And do you know what? The times they come to me out of the blue and they just say, Dad, I love you. That, that, that melts my heart. I absolutely love it. And the times where they, they come and you're watching the football or the telly or you're doing something, they just come and they just plonk themselves beside you and just put a wee hand on your leg or, or hold your, your hand. You think, what have they done wrong? That's the first thing that you think. But once you've gone past that, you just enjoy spending time with them. That they would take a minute out of their day to come and sit with their old dad. I love it. It's the best moment of my day. Friends, God isn't a shopkeeper. He is your heavenly Father. And see all these things that we've just smiled about and joked about with the earthly relationship between father and child. God wants those things with you as well. He wants you to just come and just, just be beside him. Why? Because he loves you. God wants you to come and tell, you about the, tell, tell him about the dramas of work or, or what's happened. He, he wants you to be able to speak to him freely. God wants you to come and say, God, I need this. Will you intervene? Absolutely. God wants you to just come and say, do you know what, God? I love you. Does your prayer life reflect the truth that God isn't a shopkeeper but actually he is your heavenly father. Does your prayer life show that? 
When was the last time you came to him and told him you love him? When was the last time you came to him and just sat in his presence? Be still for the presence of the Lord. Be still and know that I am God, he says in the Psalms. But let's be honest, so many of us are so busy, we're running about doing X, Y, and Z, that actually we begin to neglect the most important relationship that we have in this life, which is between us and our Heavenly Father. Spend time in His presence. Meditate on who He is. And, and a way that might be useful to do that is, is, is maybe just begin by reading Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Stop there. God, I thank you. And go through what that means. I thank you, God, you're a wonderful shepherd. And we see your provision. I thank you for your goodness. Just allow it to expand your prayer life. Spend time in his presence. Be with him. Because he gave his son to be with you. Fourthly, persistent prayer. So we've got spirit-led prayer. We have prayer at all times, that kind of continual prayer. We've had varied prayer, and now we have persistent prayer. Paul stays in verse 18 as well, keep alert with all perseverance. Persistent prayer, keep alert with all perseverance. And I think this is probably one that many of us struggle with and, and, and perhaps clashes so much with our culture nowadays. And sadly, I do think that, you know, as culture changes, we become byproducts of that. And we see that even engage and begin to shape our, our prayer life and our attitude towards the Lord. I was visiting a couple from our church this week, and they were telling me that they're now over 60 years married. But they were telling me that when they got married, they had absolutely nothing. They had a table and a couple of chairs, and that was, that was it. They had, they had nothing else. They didn't even have a bed. What they did was they put newspapers down, and, and they slept on them on their first night in their, in their new home. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, that sounds very like my first time when, when I got married, and that was our experience. But I Society's changed so much now. And actually, we now, um, we, we don't, you know, work hard to get things. Do you know, we, we expect things here and now. Do you know, I, I find myself, even when I'm making a, a, an Amazon um, purchase and it says it's going to take three days, I think, that's, that's crazy. Three days for it to arrive at my house, it should be here tomorrow. Do you know, that, that's just the way we, we are now. We expect, you know, things right here, right now. And actually, I think that sadly begins to shape how we pray. Do you know that we, we come to God and we say, God, can you, we need, can we see you do this? We, we want to see this. Will you move in power here? Will you change this part? And God says, yeah, but, but not now. Yes, I will, but the time's not right. Oh, man, I wish it was now. I wish that God would move in power right now. And, and that's me. I, I'm an impatient person. I expect, you know, I expect an Amazon purchase to arrive that same day, if not by tomorrow. Do you know, and that sadly, I think, has begun to, to, to um, mold our, our prayer life that we come to God, and we always expect that green light. Go, 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 go. Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. But there's times where God will say, red, no, that's not right for you. How dare he? God would say no to me. Well, I know that my children, they come... Can I play on the roof? Absolutely not. That's crazy. You'll get hurt. That's not right for you. But then Joel would say, can I drive the car? Not now. But there will come a time when I'll, t I'll teach you. And it's Amber. It's not yet. 
And actually, some of our prayers, friends, is, it's in the season of not yet. And we need to have perseverance. We need to keep going. We need to keep praying and asking God to move in power and trusting in his perfect timing because God's timing is the right timing. I know that many of you are praying the same prayer that you have done for many, many years. And I want to encourage you this morning, keep going. Don't give up. Persevere in prayer. I know that many of you are praying for your unsaved spouse and praying for your unsaved children or your backslidden children or you're, you're praying prayers for your unbelieving parents or prayers for estranged family members and broken relationships. Keep going. Keep praying in faith and trust in God that in his perfect timing, he will allow those things to happen. Pray, pray, and pray. And trust the Lord for his breakthrough in his perfect timing. Many of you know the struggle that my dad has had or had while he was alive, which was, um, and he struggled with alcohol. He was an alcoholic for as long as I can remember. My parents divorced when I was very young, and all I ever know was my dad's desire to drink, and he couldn't shift it, he couldn't shake it. And I, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I cried. There was sometimes someone sent me a beautiful um, picture this week and, and I said amen to it because my prayers sometimes, they weren't even words. They were tears before the Lord. I couldn't even speak my prayers. And I prayed and prayed and prayed to God for him to take the drink away from my dad. And for years, nothing happened. And years, nothing happened. And then God broke into my dad's life, and in his last number of years here, he, he kicked the booze away, and he went into recovery, and into rehab, and, and he got sober, and he spent a wonderful um, few months with him, he was living in the house with us, and then sadly, he went back to the drink, and I began praying again, God, why have you done this? Take the drink from him. Take that cursed addiction away from him, and then in my dad's last few months in this world, he spent them in hospital where he couldn't access any booze. And actually, there was a chaplain there beside him every single day. And my dad gave his life back to the Lord. Now, that wouldn't have been my plan. But actually, ultimately, that was the best solution. Because my dad asked Jesus back into his heart. And I trust that he's now with the Lord. But God's ways are not our ways. And there's times we pray and things happen or don't happen that we don't understand. But we have to trust him. And we have to persevere and keep on going. For it is those who persist in prayer in this life that prevail in its battles. If you persist in prayer in this life, you will prevail in its battles. And fifth, and finally, we come to intercessory prayer. Paul mentions here in prayer for all the saints, and he goes on and he says, also for me that words may be given to me, uh, that he would have boldness to be able to continue to speak. And, and Paul mentions this prayer for all the saints, and that is intercession, that is intercessory prayer. And very, very quickly this morning, all that means is that we're praying on behalf of others. 
It is good and right to pray for those without Christ. It's good and it's right to pray for ourselves. It's good and right to, to pray for worthwhile causes. But we're also called as God's people to pray for the other saints, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, even those Christians who annoy us and we try and avoid and we don't want anything to do with, you're to pray for them as well. Your prayer life should concern more than just you and your needs, but also cover your fellow believers. For friends, a church that loves each other prays for each other. If we want to be a loving church, that starts in the place of prayer, that we begin to pray for people. And maybe this morning, the Lord is convicting your heart, and there's someone that he's bringing to your mind, and you think, I can't even pray for them. They annoy me too much. I try and avoid them at all costs. Pray for them. Pray for God to soften your heart and cover that person in prayer. And I promise you, your attitude towards them will change. If you begin to pray blessing over them and God's best for them, your heart can't but help soften towards them. And if it's true that we as God's people are in a spiritual battle and it's true for me, then it's true for other Christians. It's true for other fellow uh, followers of Jesus. They too wrestle with uh, not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. No wonder they need our prayers. For friends, if only we began to understand the power of prayer. Mary, Queen of Scotland, knew the power of prayer. It's why she said one day, I fear John Knox's. John Knox was instrumental in the Reformation of Scotland. And Mary, Queen of Scotland said this, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. Why? Because there is power in prayer. Because the one we pray to is all-powerful. When we pray, we invite God to intervene. And what prayer is basically saying is, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't. We can't. We can't change this community. We can't transform the East End of Glasgow, but God can. Let us begin to be a people who intercede and, and pray for those in the surrounding houses, those in the surrounding churches, those in this east end of Glasgow, that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, would transform them and change them. For there is power in prayer. While very ill, John Knox called to his wife and said, Read me that scripture where I first cast my anchor. After, after he listened to the beautiful prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17, he seemed to forget his weakness. He began to pray, interceding earnestly for his fellow men. He prayed for the ungodly who had thus far rejected the gospel. He pleaded in behalf of people who had been recently converted. And he requested protection for the Lord's servants, many of whom were facing persecution. As John Knox prayed, his spirit went home to be with the Lord. He ministered through prayer until the moment of his death. May we as a church begin to understand the importance of prayer and the power in prayer. May we as a church come alive in prayer. For friends, we are in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. And if we want to see the community of our parish and the surrounding areas transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to take on the armor of God and stand. And we need to be a people of prayer. And we close this sermon series with this. The potter knows what he is doing with the clay. 
The farmer knows what he is doing with his field. The painter knows what he is doing with his canvas. So how much more can we trust that God knows what he is doing with his church? God knows what he's doing with your life. Let go and trust him. For you will never be put to shame. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for prayer. We thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for the power in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that we can pray in and through you, that you are forever interceding on behalf of us, that you are seated at the right hand of God the Father, and you are praying for your people. God, I pray this morning that you would instill and unleash in us and through us a hunger and a desire to be a people of prayer, a people who are found in your word and who are daily found in your presence. Help us, Lord, to live with our faces facing towards you and not our backs turned against you. Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to have a varied prayer life. Help us to spend time in your presence. Help us, Lord, to be a people who pray for our fellow, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to be a people who intercede and who stand in the gap in prayer. Lord, I ask that in this very moment that you would raise up within this body of Christ a people who have the gift of prayer, a people who have the gift of interceding on behalf, Lord, would you raise up the watchmen to stand on the walls, we pray. And Lord, may we know that this is a place of love, and we love each other, and we pray for each other. Give us a posture as a church for a praying heart. Help us to be a people who are daily and always clothed in your armor, ready to stand for Jesus. And Lord, may we trust you that you know what you're doing. We thank you that you love us, that you gave your life for us that you've gone to prepare a place for us and ultimately you will take us to be with you so we can enjoy you forever and ever and ever. For we ask these things in and through the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.